Hi, I'm Pete Scalia, and this is P.S. Never Give Up. The P.S. Never Give Up podcast is made possible by you. Monthly, annual, and presenting sponsorship opportunities are available now. You can find out more at psnevergiveup.com. In this episode of the P.S. Never Give Up podcast, I talk with Elena Martella. Elena's a traffic anchor and reporter at my alma mater, WLWT in Cincinnati, Ohio, and co-host of the Girls With Guts podcast. I was excited to talk with Elena, partially because we both work the same job at the same station and know a lot of the same people in the business. But what makes Elena's story unique is the fact that she's even here to share it with us. It's not every day you get to talk with someone who actually died and then came back. Elena shares her incredible story with me and how she's using her literal newfound lease on life to inspire others to never give up. Elena. Hello. When it comes to telling people stories of never giving up, I have to admit that you are the first person I can ever remember talking to um, who died and then is now here to talk to me about it. Yes. I'm one of the one of the rare few who is able to tell about death experience. The, the I mean, select what, club of us. <laughs> what, so obviously, you know, never give up. Certainly a theme in your life. What happened? How did yeah, this happen? so, so I'll give you the background of it before, you know, to kind of give some context. Um, so it was my senior year of high school and I was obsessed with running, like so much to the point that I would wake up at 4 a.m., would run before school, would go to school, would run after, and then would do, would go on about my day. And um, so I, I would skip out on family vacations because I was so obsessed with running. I would, you know, skip social activities. Like I wouldn't go on sleepovers with my friends because I was nervous that, oh my gosh, what if the next day we got up and did something and I wasn't able, I wouldn't be able to get up and run. Um, and so it was really an obsession, like, you know, prime, primetime athletes, Olympic athletes, they're like, yeah, you're like, you're on the grind, but mine was more of an obsession, more so than, um, you know, being an elite athlete. I mean, what did you love about it so much? What, what, what just drove you to run all the time? I'm just, you know, I'm just a type A person for one. And I was obsessed with staying like, like body image, like my body image, staying thin and, you know, being it, but I didn't, what I didn't realize was that I was running myself to the core. Like I was losing weight. I was losing hair. I was dwindling down to, um, to like a nothing of a human and I didn't see it, but everybody mm -hmm. around me saw it. How old were you at this point? I was 17. 17. I was 17 years old. Yes. Wow. Okay. Um, like it, like I would wear sweatshirts in the summertime, even, you know, hoodie sweatshirts. Cause I would get cold all the time. And, um, like I knew changes had to be made, but I wasn't sure how to make those changes. And mm -hmm. so I was just continue about living this life. And I wasn't really living. I would, I would call it now avoiding death rather than embracing life. So it's not really a way to actually go about living your day by day. I remember, um, my cousins, a couple of my cousins were graduating from college and I even skipped out on their college graduations because I was afraid that, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to run if I go on this vacation, you know? Um, so, you know, 
one day eventually came. It was a day like any of the rest. I got up, did my little crazy girl run before school, went to school, and then um, ran after school and then visited my grandma at her nursing home with my dad. And when I was at my grandma's nursing home, I felt this intense pain in my abdomen. Like it was a pain, like it felt like my insides were on fire. I can't even explain it. And it's a pain that I wouldn't even wish upon the world's cruelest dictators. I, I say that often, but it's like, it's so true. Like I, on the, on the worst people, I would never wish anybody to go through this pain. It was debilitating. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember I'm like, at my grandma's nursing home, you know, like you're probably, probably um, not allowed to do this, but like the nurses gave me stomach medicine because it hurts so bad. And then. What, just um, thought it was like indigestion or severe? Like, yeah, it, it, I, it, it was to the point that I had to be like, ooh, ooh, like doubled over almost. And um, so we weren't sure what it was. So, like a number of hours went past. Um, don't want to get like, I, I ended up, you know, thinking I was hungry, going to Panera Bread, passing out of Panera, you know. You passed out? I did, yes. I I passed out on the bathroom floor, and I, I'm a germaphobe, and I remember <laughs> thinking, like, the cold ground was against my face, and I remember so vividly thinking, wow, this feels so good, because I was so hot and so lethargic from whatever it was that was happening. Yeah. And, um... Eventually we made our way back home and, um, I was, I was with my dad at this point at my dad's house and I went to bed and I remember not really being able to sleep because I was in so much pain. Like it it just kept continuing and continuing. And I remember really vividly looking out of my bedroom window that night at the moon and thinking, just let me die right now because I didn't think I could make it through that pain. It was so intense. And, um, I guess I got up to go to the bathroom and I hit the vanity because I passed out and my dad heard me hit the vanity and he came in and saw me passed out, felt my pulse, which was racing at 167 beats per minute. And so he called an ambulance. They came and rushed me to the hospital. And um, my mom was there when we got to the hospital. And I remember thinking, wow, this is weird. Like, how is she already here? Um, but she met me there. She met us there. And my dad also drove separately. So he met us there too. And um, I really had to pee. And I was like, mom, please take me to go pee. And it's at the hospital, right? Yes. At the hospital. Yeah. We had just yeah. gotten to the hospital and I really had to pee. And so I was like really adamant that my mom helped me go pee. So, but I could barely walk because I was in so much pain. So she kind of like, held me and walked me into the bathroom and um, we shut the door, but she was holding me. So she couldn't lock it, which is one of the best things that could have ever happened because uh, I went to sit down to go to the bathroom and I just thrashed about a few times and then went limp. And at that same moment, a nurse came in with a urine sample and said, we're going to need a urine sample. And um, it's then my mom's like, I think she's dead. And she said it again. I think she's dead. And the nurse looked like took one look at me and called a double code. So they rushed in with a stretcher, took me away. Um, I mean, you just were not moving. You were just. Yes, I was limp. I was I was completely I I coded. Um, I went into respiratory arrest and um, I had a death experience, too. I don't know if you want me to go into that, but I can. You- 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay. so um, I mean, like during this whole, like you were, you were totally aware, like at this point that anything is happening. Like you were, yes. you were literally just out cold. And mm -hmm. so first of all, yeah. Like, like when you die, everything goes black. Like you don't realize you're dead. Yeah. But then late, but then like I was on this separate journey and I was walking down the beach and there was a figure next to me in white. And I never saw the figure's face, but I'm pretty confident that it was Jesus. And I just remember it being the most peaceful and tranquil walk that I've ever been on. It was like a feeling I've never felt ever before, have never felt it again, probably never will. Um, and I just remember being so at ease and loving the moment and just, just like feeling free. And we were walking down the beach towards this big bright light and we just kept walking and walking and walking. And eventually once we got to the end of the beach and like the light way kind of gave way, the light kind of gave way and um, there was a gateway and behind the gateway was my great aunt who was my favorite person in the whole world. And she had our arms outstretched and she said, come to me, baby. And I remember thinking like, yes, this is it. Like I finally get to see aunt Dodo. Her name was Fedora, but I called her Dodo. And um, like your aunt was like your your dead great aunt, right? Like yes, my dead great aunt. Yeah. Um, and I remember, you know, I want to go in so bad. So I started to push the gateway open and started to step inside. And then the figure next to me was like, "Stop! It's not your time now." And then I woke up. And when I woke up, there were doctors all around me. And I remember looking at the back of the room and seeing my parents standing there and crying. And I was really confused because I had no idea why they were crying. Like, I didn't realize the magnitude of what was going on at that moment. Um, I do know my, like, I, like so many things were going through my head that I didn't really feel the pain too much anymore. Um, maybe they had given me morphine or like Dilaudid or pain medicine. So I didn't really feel the pain anymore. I saw them crying and I saw, I remember looking to the doctor to my right and, and saying, um, I either, I can't remember. I either said, am I going to be okay? Or am I going to die? I said one of those two things. I don't remember which one. I remember the answer and it was, we're just going to do the best that we can. And at that moment I was just like, well, crap, like <laughs> there are so many things that I wish I could have done. Like, you know, in Hollywood, when people say like people's lives flash before their eyes, it's true. Like my life didn't flash before my eyes, but I did think of all the things that I wished I could have done that. I wished I would have said, you know, um, right. I thought of how I'd never gone skydiving random, <laughs> but that popped in my head. I thought of my mom because she's my favorite person in the entire world. And I thought of how lonely she would be without me because I'm an only child. And mm -hmm. um, I thought how of how I would never get married. And just all these little things kept tacking off in my head. And, um, and like, I knew that if I were to make it through, that I would have to make some changes to make sure that all of these things happen, because the lifestyle that I was living before wasn't really living. As I mentioned before, I was just simply yeah. going through the motions and avoiding death. And so you you remember this, like, like so vividly do you have any idea now like did they tell you how long of a of a time span like how much time was this it was several minutes uh that i was gone and um so they pulled me back in 
they they rushed me back, you know, for emergency surgery. I remember them cutting my bra off and my underwear off. And I was just like, oh, this is weird. Like they cut everything off because I was so like out of it. I couldn't get it off myself. And then they went in and, and did emergency surgery. And it turned out that my intestines had been twisting that whole time. And um, when the doctor went in and to take, to like, look, pulled my intestines out they just crumbled in his hands because they were so dead from twisting around. And, um, I had died from sepsis and, um, I had to have about 15 feet of my small intestines removed and they weren't sure about the remaining. You have, you have like 20 to 25 feet of small intestines in your body. Um, there's a lot in there and they weren't sure what the remaining would do. They were still a little, you know, iffy, they could go either way. So they left my stomach open for 24 hours um, to peep in the next day and see how, if it looked like they were showing signs of healing. Um, so 24 hours passed and the good news is it did show that my intestines looked like they were gonna heal. So they were able to close me up, but they closed me up with an ostomy bag, which is when your intestine sticks out of your stomach and you go to the bathroom in the bag instead of the traditional out your behind. Mm-hmm. Um, that thing was awful. And um, I mean, did you go back to school at this point? Like, did you, were you? No, 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 no. I missed like my, I missed the majority of my senior year. Yeah. Um, I was in the hospital, I think initially for at least like four, three, four weeks. I, I, I think I could be off, mm-hmm. but um, at least three weeks, maybe four and then I finally got to go home. You know, actually it was, I because I went home, I think the first week of November and it was the first week of September. So about four weeks for the initial stint. Um, wow. And I had the ostomy bag, that thing would break everywhere on a moment's notice, spilling everything all over me. Um, my intestine was so flushed to my skin as well. Like it was little. So like all of the acidy, you know, contents kind of, spilled over onto my skin and was burning my skin. Um, I also couldn't eat or drink anything. So I had a poor uh, place in my chest here. And um, so I had IV nutrition, TPN and lipids, and that made my liver go bad. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. They made, they gave me these pills made from polar bear bile. There was a specific, I forget what the medic- medicine is called. It's been so long, but well, at that um, point, I think, you know, polar bear bile, whatever, give you something to yeah. like help your body heal. I mean, what, what, but did you, is this like kept going on? Like, I mean, did you think that it was ever going to end or get it seems, better? You know, it, when you're going through something like this, it, it seems like it's never going to end. And I remember, you know, I, I, I would go through, I would have good days and I would have bad days emotionally and spiritually. Like some days I would be you know, happy and, and go lucky. And then other days I would just feel really down and depressed because all my friends at senior year, they're all going out, they're all going to high school dances. And here I am in my hospital bed and people are forgetting about me. And it's really hard not to go down that dark tunnel. Um, but I remember, you know, my, my parents would be there and they would cheer me up and we watched, I was obsessed with CSI and Grey's Anatomy during that time. Now I can't watch it anymore. I can't, I can't watch either of those shows. Like since I've been out of the hospital, I haven't watched one episode, but, um, just by association, you're like, yeah, that can't do it. Brings it all back. Um, can't do it. Yeah. 
but I, but I would just try to stay positive through the whole thing. You know, um, mindset is really everything. Could, can't control the situation, but you can control how you respond to it. And that I think is key when it comes to anything in life, no matter what you're dealing with, whether it's a medical catastrophe, whether, you know, you got laid off from your job, whether you're having relationship problems. Yeah. Maybe your situation isn't that great, but, um, it's not going to get any better by, by, you know, feeling down on yourself or, or being in a bad mood. The only way it can improve is by being in a good mood. And I remember, like, it kind of seemed like this time was taking forever through that period. Like, I was like, man, this is never ending. And when am mm -hmm. I going to be okay? And I will never forget Dr. Park, Dr. Charles Park, shout out to him wherever he may be right now. Last I heard he was in Boston, but I don't know where he is now. But I remember him telling me, um, in the entire puzzle of life, this is just a piece of it. And that's stuck with me ever since then, even when, you know, going through other situations, you know, breakups throughout my life or like going through, you know, like college exams, things like that. Um, I will always remember that quote and I pass it on to anybody who's dealing with a hard time and they're like, oh, okay. So that's always stuck with me. Um, yeah. Well, and we're going to take your word for it too. I mean, because <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, you died, you came back, you now have this incredible story to share when as time went by, like, how did, how did this happen? How did your intestines get twisted to begin with? Yeah, so there, there aren't, um, they were never really able to give me a real reason. But through my armchair doctor studies through the years, um, I've made some friends who um, have also had this happen to them. Um, one of them is actually my coworker here uh, in Cincinnati. Um, they're, you know, had a little, it's called a volvulus, which is when your intestines twist around each other. And, mm -hmm. um, well, you had mentioned like before too, like this, this is something that like commonly happens with, with dogs. I mean, I've, I've heard dogs. of that with like bloat or whatever they call it with, right. Mm -hmm. with, with, dogs with dogs and with horses and with, and yeah. it's basically with people who are very athletic, they do a lot of running, yeah. um, and you just kind of jostle it up a bit. And like that in combination with maybe like. Uh, limited nutrients as well as too much water it can cause a volvulus to occur mm -hmm. and so we kind of have you know we've never been able to get the pinpoint that you know that's the reason but all of us who have had this happen have kind of seen that as the common thread among it all that that seems to be exactly what happened for us so um wow. crazy right yeah and one of them actually so one of the people who I figured it out um I was, I went to one of my dear friend, her name is Lauren Swickard. She's an actress. Check out all of her movies. She's wonderful. Um, a California Christmas. She wrote it. She, um, acted in it and she produced it and she filmed it all during the lockdown period of, of quarantine of COVID. So she's a boss and her nice. husband was her co-star. Yeah. So I'm giving her a good plug here. So look her up, <laughs> look up Lauren and Josh Swickard. They're adorable. Anyway, so we went to the, I went to the, her wedding, um, and it was here actually in Cincinnati cause she's from here. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was here, I think in July of 2019 and you know, I was sitting at a table and they live in LA now. So a lot of LA people came in for the wedding mm -hmm. and sitting next to me was a, was an LA uh, girl and we got them like the meal came out and she gave her meal to her boyfriend. I gave mine to my boyfriend at the time. Um, 
And we both looked at each other and we're like, wait, what's going on here? And it turns out that she had the exact same thing happen. And, um, and you'd never met her before. I had never met her before. We happened to be sitting exactly like right next to each other at a wedding, 500 person wedding. And she was at the table next to me from LA in Cincinnati. And we've been friends ever since. And we've been each other's support system through it all. And, you know, she's had emergency surgery since we met. I have had one as well. And, um, and honestly could not have gotten through it without her. And uh, we're going to start our own podcast actually called Girls with Guts. So perfect title. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and I mean, you've used yeah. this, you know, experience that that you've gone through to inspire other people. And why is that important to you to get that message out? It's important to me because, you know, no matter what you're going through, it's anything can be overcome, you know. I feel that our biggest breakdowns often lead to our biggest breakthroughs in anything in life. And it's those times if you keep persevering and keep pushing forward, um, it's really going to make you, you know, overcome anything that's coming uh, that's, you know, stacked against you. And I've actually created a model um, called the rise up model. And it's a five step proven method to overcome enormous obstacles and seize opportunities. And I share that with people throughout the community um, and share these steps with people to overcome their obstacles. What are, what are the five steps? Um, so the first one is take a leap, take the leap. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if something, if you're faced with something, you have an idea or goal, vision that you want to overcome, you just have to take the leap. If you're faced with a challenge, you have to take the leap to, to overcome it. Mm -hmm. um, specific goals get specific results is number two. Number three is break it down. So you break down those big goals into smaller, more bite-sized goals, and then you stack those goals to meet the big one. Uh, number four is look way ahead. So you anticipate what's needed and you work as if you're already there and mm -hmm. go forward with that. And then five is always be on your A game. So you have to, no matter how bad you feel, no matter how awful of a day you're having, no matter how sick you feel, Put on that smile and make your way through because that's the only way you're going to get through. Like I said before, you can't control the atmosphere, but you can control your attitude. And that really is going to make all the difference. I mean, that could be the hardest one though, right? Like out of yes. all the five, admittedly. It absolutely is. Absolutely. I mean, I know I have my bad days, like <laughs> the days that I'm just like, man, I just feel bummed out, you know, but yeah. you just got to shift the mindset. Wow. Now, how has your body healed since all of this happened? Do you still have to do like, would it be like regular maintenance? Do you have to like check in with your doctor? Um, is there a chance that this could happen again? I mean, I know you don't have as much going on inside there now as, as yeah. you did then. So hopefully this it's not something that can happen again, right? So I have so much, so they did so much in there. There's so much scar tissue. The intestines won't twist again, but it is that scar tissue that we have to look out for. Um, when I was in college, I had to be air cared back to here to Cincinnati. I was in at OU, Ohio University in Athens, had to be air cared back here for adhesion removal because they caused a bowel obstruction. I was good for about 10 years. And then just recently um, in 2020, in May during COVID, the same thing happened. So I was so I was oh, good wow. for 10 years. So that's a long time. Um, yeah. with no problems. Um, the adhesions happened to come back. I do think it could have also been stress induced a bit. 
um, with mm-hmm. everything that was going on with COVID, you know? Um, and so uh, they had to do another adhesion removal. So I was in the hospital for nine, 10 days without any visitors after having an emergency surgery. Wow. Yeah. In May. And, and I do actually have a restricted diet. Like I can't yeah. eat too many sugars because I'm missing the part of my intestines that digest sugar. Um, I also can't have fried foods cause that does a number on only having such a little amount of intestines. Um, well, you've talked about like your family and stuff. I mean, I'm assuming you're, you're Italian, right? So does this affect like with, you know, your, your food choices? I mean, that's, that's a thing, right? It like have is. you found a way to you eat things that you like, at least some things? I eat meat, cheese, and bread. So that's my main diet. You can't <laughs> go wrong with that, really. Um, meat, cheese, and bread is a big thing. Grains, no, no. Fruits, veggies, no, no. Um, so I, I stick with white, easy to digest breads, uh, tortillas um white rice potatoes without the skin easy to digest it's called a low residue diet so high protein low residue low fiber um no fried no sugar pretty bland but actually i mean you can't really go wrong with meat and cheese and bread <laughs> right yeah That's i mean good staples that'll work yes yeah, so i'm a cheap date as you can say <laughs> <laughs> unless you go to a steakhouse i'll get all the steak <laughs> no but hey, there um, you go. it's easy it's i mean it's an easy diet to really follow through i have been able to work through um you know i've been able to kind of add sushi in through trial and error it's not a fun process leading up to it but you do yeah uh, you, you can make things become familiar in your system um it just really isn't fun leading up to like it. Like your body like reacts to it or like kind of rejects it or like yeah, says, you know, yeah, yeah, you're not, you're we won't, this. we don't yeah. need to go into the details, yeah. but it's not pretty, believe me there. So, um, but yeah, so it's just, you know, trial and error and just remaining positive. And I have found that meditation helps a lot as well. Um, just mm-hmm. in general with, with helping to keep everything regulated, just kind of namaste. <laughs> Right, right, for yeah. sure. Now, I have to ask, um, I'm all too familiar with the crazy hours you work and things like that. Does mm-hmm. that affect you at all? Like, we're, you know, because you get up at what, like the crack of dark for work, right? I get up at 2 a.m. and um, have to be at work by 3.30. And honestly, I love the shift that I'm on. The first, I would say the first three weeks I ever worked this shift, and that was back in Indianapolis at my previous job from here, um, I felt sick for about a month, but I think everybody does. I know you've worked at a shift before, you know, you kind of get that nauseated feeling for the first couple of weeks, but then your body gets used to it and you learn what works for you. Um, so for me, I do split sleeping. Um, doesn't work for everybody. Works for me. I wake up at, so as I said, I'll, I'll, I'll go to bed around 830 wake up at two. So that's like five and a half hours, I think, 9, 30, 10, 30, 11, 30, 12, 31. Yeah, five and a half hours. And then I'll nap for two hours after work. And that's, that's what works for me. So I get a good seven and a half hours. Um, the nap's essential. Got to have the naps. It is. Definitely so have the two hour naps. naps. Yeah. I unfortunately just got a new neighbor, a new neighbor up here who wears heels in the afternoon, which is great. Oh, but, uh, nice. <laughs> but we make it work. So, <laughs> so, and I, I want to talk about the fact too, that, um, I mean, it's, it's cool that you mentioned like with your career and all that and everything that's happened. Um, I mean, this is Cincinnati's your, your hometown, right? So, I mean, it's gotta be a cool thing to be like back home and have, 
like I'm assuming a pretty good like network of friends and and support, right? It's the best. You know, it's always been one of my goals to uh, to be a news anchor, news person here in Cincinnati, where everybody that I love is, and that's part of what I you know what I overcame with my illness, never letting any dream go unrealized, and this has always been a goal of mine. So I worked hard until I made it happen, and it's really cool feeling when your dreams come to life. You know, like I. I know people for every, like somebody will be like, oh, the blah, 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 blah. Oh, I know so-and-so, so-and-so does this. You know, it's, it's really cool mm-hmm. because whenever we have a story needing someone, I know somebody who does it and it's, it's a really awesome feeling. And then I just love, you know, my parents would scream me at my previous locations. I was in uh, Rochester, Minnesota to start and then Indianapolis and Indiana. And now I'm here, but then they would stream me live, but it's just different when it's actually their local news and they're watching and um, it's really cool to see. <laughs> so. Oh, that's very cool for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I want to ask you then. So in the spirit of, you know, never giving up, obviously the past year has been a little ridiculous to say the least for a lot of people. And there's still a lot of people going through a tough time right now. If you could say something to inspire people to not give up, what would you say? I have a few things. First of the, I always say this in my head. I say this too shall pass. And that's a big one for me. This too shall pass because no matter what obstacle you are against, think of where you are right now and think of everything you've overcome the past of your life. You've survived every single bad obstacle that has come across your pathway in life and it passed. So this too shall pass, which is up against you now. And then there's this other quote that I love. Um, and it's like, a, it's like a quote dialogue, you could say. And it's, but what if I fall? Oh, but my darling, what if you fly? So never fear anything that's thrown your way. Take your chances. You never know what can happen. You'll rise up. I love that. P.S. Never give up. You rock. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. The P.S. Never Give Up podcast is a production of Felito Media, LLC. And we need your help to make the P.S. Never Give Up podcast and the P.S. Never Give Up movement possible. If you or your business are interested in sponsoring the P.S. Never Give Up podcast, we'd love to partner with you. In addition to the podcast, we have marketing opportunities available for social media, for video content, the P.S. Never Give Up newsletter, and more. To see how your business can partner with us in our mission to inspire and entertain, send an email to marketing at psnevergiveup.com. Of course, PS Never Give Up is so much more than just a podcast. It's a movement, and we want you to join us. Visit psnevergiveup.com, check out the blog, sign up for the latest updates and the PS Never Give Up newsletter, and be sure to check out the PS Never Give Up online shop. And follow us on social media at PS Never Give Up Podcast and my social media pages at Pete Scalia on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook at Pete Scalia Official. I'm Pete Scalia. Thanks again for listening and PS Never Give Up.